Hello and welcome to episode five of States of Matter, the podcast from the Institute of Refrigeration's Women in RACHP Network. I'm Karen Perry and as always here with me to co-host is Lisa Jane Cook. As we continue our theme discussing and addressing subjects affecting the industry's women, we often look to how we can become a more inclusive and diverse industry. This episode, we welcome Kat Parsons. Kat, by day, your role is in diversity, inclusion and belonging, and in life, a passionate advocate and ally for a diverse and inclusive culture, as well as part-time project manager of the Female Design and Build Project, which I really do hope we hear more about. We first met in October when we talked about doing this, and I'm hoping to learn a lot from you, as I really do with your social media activity. We're so aware in the Women's Network that it, it highlights the shortage of women in our industry, but that really is only a small part of it and just the start, really. Could we begin our conversation about you and your career path so far and why you think creating diversity is such an important part for all of our roles? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. So I'll start off with how I got into my my background is uh, engineering and construction. So as a kid, I was the one that was outside in the mud all the time, climbing up a tree, I suppose you'd call it slightly feral. When it came to sort of through my education, I did very well. I was basically told people pleaser, do what you're supposed to do get through the day again get good marks it was all about you know getting your GCSEs getting your A-levels going to university and that was sort of the only direction I was I was given um, in terms of sort of life choice really so when it came to actually finishing my A-levels and deciding where to go to university I was looking at sort of university prospectuses you know what do I want to do you know I really enjoyed that outside life the thought of sitting at a, a laptop you know a desk all day in an office didn't really appeal to me I wanted to be out and about meeting new people so I was looking through a prospectus and there was uh, an image of someone taking water samples from a river with waders on. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. It's sort of, you know, my my love of the outdoors and to be able to sort of be out in nature all the time. I thought that'd be absolutely brilliant. So I went to Lancaster University, did a degree in environmental consulting. And as a result of that, I walked straight into a job at the end. I did a couple of summer placements uh, again, just to get my, you know, make sure I was on the right career path. It was it was for me. So, yes, yeah, so I walked straight into a job back in Suffolk again when I graduated and from there, it was a very, you know, I already knew it was going to be a very male dominated industry. My course was quite mixed. There was quite a good balance of male, female split. So actually, when I first walked into the office, I was quite surprised that there were so many men, actually, which didn't really bother me too much. You know, as a kid, I, you know, because of being, you know, that sort of outsidey playing football or kicking a ball around and stuff, it didn't really bother me. You know, I probably had more male friends than I did female friends. So that was fine. But as, sort of, as I sort of went through my career, I changed jobs within the first 18 months after I sort of got a bit of an idea of what I wanted to be doing and directions and stuff. I realised I was sort of maybe squashing myself a little bit to appear to sort of fit into the environment I was in. So maybe I wouldn't sort of step up as much as I probably would have done to say, I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, I didn't feel my voice was quite as loud, but that was fine. You know, I, I sort of was working my way through it, you know, early in my career. So I moved to another role that was very heavy dominated on travel. I was out five days a week. You know, I'd, get, I'd be up at Sparrows in the morning on a on a Monday, back, you know, out in the van, traveling around, going to different sites. And at that point I was doing um, contaminated land. So basically my job was lead engineer. So I, if I wasn't on site, the work couldn't happen. You know, I had to be there in, term, in terms of the project management, the health and safety, the scope of works. But everyone I worked with was male. Drill teams were male. The construction sites were all male. The site managers were all male. So I very much had to have like a, you know how everyone has like an elevator pitch. I had to sort of, as I came onto site, I'd almost have to have like this 30 seconds of like introduction to who I was, what I was there to do, but equally get that person, that man to understand that I wasn't just, oh no, the woman's here. She's going to cause havoc. She's just going, oh God. 
So, you know, I very much had to be like, oh, the traffic was, you know, this morning and, you know, threw every, you know, swear words and bits and pieces in so that it was almost like I was a, a safe, it was all right. I'm, you know, I'm not like the others. I'm not going to cause any trouble. I'm just here to, you know, get, those, <laughs> get, get, get up with a job. You know, I'm not be holding you up or anything like that. So, but it got to the point where I'd come home at the weekend and my language was atrocious. Like, because I'd been around that sort of male dominated sites and everything else, you know, you sort of, again, fit in, you know, that very much sort of chameleon effect. But I used to come home on a Friday and my partner would be like, can you please just like tone the language down a little bit? Because, you know, it's just constant. But that's because I was having to be two different people. There was me in the workplace having to sort of fit in. And there was me at home at this point with quite a young child as well, you know, as, as a parent. And, and the two, it was very much two different worlds. But I realised, turned out actually I quite liked being in the office a bit more. I quite liked the, the management and the, and, the, um, and the scope inside of things. Very good at budgets and project management. So... I ended up navigating into the office a bit more uh, when it was worked out that actually I was quite useful being in the office as opposed to being out and about. And I absolutely loved it. I, I ran, you know, 200 projects, you know, portfolio management, you know, I absolutely love a headache. If there's a headache or a pain at a site or a client, then I absolutely just thrive on that. So stayed in that in that industry for 16 years in total. Then decided that actually, you know, there'd been a lot. I, I had to sort of, again, flex on who I was my beliefs I'd had to bite my tongue a lot so I thought well actually I'm, I think I'm I'm ready for a bit of a change um so I moved out of that and moved into a more of a health and safety role again something I was very passionate about as well which a, a lot came into that sort of diversity inclusion piece again it was making sure that I could go onto a site and say right tell me what the problems are what what is not working what needs fixing you know open and honest and I will do my best to to, to change that for you so that was sort of my first glimpse into you know being very people focused as opposed to being very portfolio deadline budget client focused and I I quite liked that that side of things so from from that point I moved across into facilities management something I knew absolutely nothing about um I had a friend of mine who I'd worked with in my early career who had who was head of health and safety over there and he said you know if you fancy a change you know why don't you come and have a go see what you think to this again there was a health and safety manager role so I did a sidestep of a role you know it wasn't a promotion by any means um, I decided you know just to take take that leap and and try something else so I did that role for a year, you know, again, really enjoyed the health and safety, progressed really quickly. He decided, my, you know, my friend, my boss had decided he was going to um, going to change it in terms of where he was in the business. So I ended up going for his position and I, and I got it. So again, I was pleased as anything. But in the in the background, again, I was doing more around that health and well-being piece. So not necessarily traditional health and safety, people slipping over and icy roads and all that kind of thing. I, I really enjoyed the actual, you know, that health and that that well-being piece, very people-centric. So I did a piece of work around the menopause, which was spurred on by my wife. I'm married to an amazing woman um, who is perimenopausal and her. we didn't realise that for about four years. She just was really down, really anxious, really depressed, you know, really, really struggling. And I, I sort of was thinking, you know, I'm sat at home, you know, having to support this person who is, you know, in that age demographic of, of menopausal, and then I walked into the office and I was like, I'm surrounded by women who are also in that same age category, but no one was saying anything. And I was like, well, if she's struggling at home so much. Why are these people here all fine? Like, is there something wrong with her? You know, is she you know, very sensitive to, you know, hormones, et cetera. Anyway, so I brought it into work. And then as I was talking about it, it's like some sort of magic key. You mentioned, you know, the word menopause. You mentioned the word menstrual cycles. People suddenly realized, oh, that's safe to talk about. Right. I'll open up. And there was people in our business that were getting up at five in the morning, having to drive to different sites and they'd not slept, you know, night sweats, 
insomnia, you know, all these sorts of symptoms. So again, from my health and safety point of view, that's not safe. And why were those people not saying, look, I can't be up at five in the morning to go and try to these sites because I'm not, you know, absolutely knackered. So that's where my, my career then took a massive turn. So I'd focused on that on the side of my desk. And then um, we had a new people and culture lead come in. She recognised me before I'd even stepped, you know, she'd even stepped foot in the office. I've got one of those faces. I'd been on LinkedIn, nominated for a couple of awards for bits and pieces. So, yeah, so she she asked me that, you know, the direction of the business was changing. They wanted to have someone to lead diversity inclusion um, as a full-time role. So I was asked. I initially said no, because I didn't think I had the, the competency to do it. And I think there was a little bit of that imposter syndrome that maybe I was a one-trick pony that, Yes, the menopause project had gone really well and had been really, really successful. But how do you replicate that across the whole of the spectrum of diversity inclusion? But she convinced me that to give it a bash and I'm one year in and I absolutely love it. So that's where I am now. It's really incredible. You've done so much, but it feels like you've been focused all the way through it. So it's not like you've just sort of ambled from one thing to another. You've readjusted your goals and pushed yourself to actually go and achieve those. And I think that's really rare. I think yeah. that's it. It's like you've navigated your own career and through your own interests and personal interests. It's almost like, actually, I'm not going to drop this, but I want to try something different. I'm more interested, which I guess makes you very happy in the, what you're doing at work as well. Absolutely. I so say this is uh, definitely the, the only career where um, I feel like work is on my mind all the time and not for a bad reason. There's, mm. um, you know, you don't come home at the end of the day after you've been on site, you know, putting mud in a jar thinking, oh, I wish I could have done that better. <laughs> you know, this is. Um, but again, when you're dealing with people and, you know, I speak to people all, you know, every day about, you know, things that affect them in their personal lives that they're bringing into work, things that work that they end up taking home with them. You know, I, I can make a really big impact on on people with the position I'm in now. So I think that does make it more of a sort of 24-7, it's on my mind. But I, you know, I'm having to be quite careful that, again, mental well-being, it's, um, I do have time to switch off. It must be incredible as well to actually work for a company that really does value people and culture because there are a lot of obviously like tick box exercises and you do see people like, see, so, you know, once a year, company logos are changed to rainbows. But what actually are they doing behind that? Absolutely. Um, and it's, I'm not saying that everybody is like that, but to actually find a company that is willing to invest, to put you in a position where you can actually make a real impact must make you feel really valued as well. Yeah. And I think when I took the role on as well, you're absolutely right. It's almost like it's like greenwashing. It's diversity washing, isn't it? It's the same thing for International Women's Day. Everyone says, you know, oh, we're doing this for International Women's Day. But then actually, you know, what are you doing? You know, gender pay gap. There was the bot that came out last year. So everyone on LinkedIn that was pumping their messages out saying we're supporting International Women's Day. The bot was then giving their uh, their gender gap um, stats. So actually, it's very clear that they weren't actually doing that much. Again, it's that thing, exactly as you said, with Pride logos. So when I came into the role, the the I remember having a conversation with our CEO, Liz Benison, and uh, she said, you know, you'll be great at this. You know, she was really like, you know, she pumped me up, you know, I, you're absolutely the best person for this job, you know, fantastic, you're going to absolutely run with this. But she said, you're you're pushing on an open door. Tell me what you want to do. Make people as uncomfortable as possible was her second request, which I thought was quite odd at the time. Make everyone really uncomfortable. And, and you know, the change will happen. And everything I've suggested in the business has happened. Whether it needs budget, whether it needs more time and resource, it, it's happened. So, you know, they're completely invested. But equally, where there are pockets that people are feeling unsure about things. Again, I think, like you were saying, in terms of navigating my career around, I, I, could, I feel like I can, can talk to anyone. I can go and talk to a load of engineers in a basement 
that's dark and dingy and you know they've not seen the light of day for three days I can I can adjust myself that I can get what I need out of them to find out what their issues are I can then go into a boardroom and speak to all the senior leaders in a business and then again be able to articulate what we need to do as business and our drive and direction so that has been absolutely key for me again those skills that I've learned along the way that you know I can, I can listen to the voices of the business and then be able to to make that change happen I, I wouldn't undersell, be- undersell yourself even because to get people to talk to you that takes a special type of person as well and I think that comes from within so you already had that within you and then you've just utilized your knowledge to, to really help expand that and get people to sort of really buy into you people just open up to you and that is because you're a certain type of person and people can almost feel that like your energy yeah people do say that a lot and I think I I always say my kids always say I'm the most annoying person in the world which really makes me laugh um but uh, literally it's just 24 7 so I do get asked to to tone it down slightly because I do um again I'm, I'm the first one if someone's got an issue again I'm the first one you know tell me what you need tell me how I can help you know to make sure that they they get the support they need so again having that in a business of 35,000 people you know my inbox is quite full a lot of the time but you know it, it's so rewarding and again it's so important across every single you know dimension of diversity you know we mentioned pride already you know it's things like putting initiatives in we're, we're putting um free period products into our toilets in in certain sort of key offices but we're not just going to do it in the women's toilets because again non-binary trans people so they're going in all of the toilets and then we were looking at it from the point of view of period poverty so you know if you've got a single parent you know a, a dad for example he's still got access to those products to then take them home to his family you know if if they're required so what's really nice is it's that sort of intersectional piece that nothing is sort of done there's, there's no decision that's made with one lens you know, we're, we're making sure that every decision that's made, you know, we're bringing in the right people from, you know, different backgrounds, different viewpoints to make sure that whatever solution we are putting in place is fit for purpose for everyone. And we've not, again, excluded. You know, that's exactly the, everyone hates that feeling of being excluded when you're, you know, your name's not mentioned or you're not considered for something. Um, so again, it's very much that inclusion, inclusion piece, which is really quite difficult to do because again, you know, I'm, in terms of my upbringing, in terms of my, you know, background, my religion, my, you know, I'm a parent. I can only see things sometimes with one lens. So it's making sure that you bring the right people into conversations to get the solution we need. And how do you engage that in such a large company as well? I'm sure at times you are pushing against a closed door with people. Do you just have to kind of go, well, eventually they might start to engage with it or have you kind of noticed a real positive impact? There's a couple of things. So as part of our business, we obviously have a lot of people on the ground. We have people in kitchens, we have cleaners, we have security, we have engineers. There's a there's a lot of hard to reach people that may not have the technology there to be able to look at a SharePoint site or, you know, get, get regular updates. So that that bit is quite challenging. But again, it's a case of for me getting the management involved so that the message is then being, you know, we have like 10 to 10 meetings. It's for me, it's using a lot of the health and safety tricks of toolbox talks. You know, those platforms work and I know that from my health and safety background so it's a case of using the channels that I know already work you know getting information onto teams boards for example so that it's on the wall and um the menopause was a good example actually so I did a, a toolbox talk thought I'd use that you know I'm still in that health and safety role so I utilized that that method of communication did this toolbox talk and I went to a client site had a wander around and I went to go and speak to the engineers in the basement in the deep dark basement and they'd printed the menopause toolbox talk off in a3 it was absolutely massive on the team board you know slightly excessive 
but they had no idea who I was. I was just, you know, cats come to have a wander around the, the building. So I, I saw this toolbox talk and I said, um, you know, how did you find the toolbox talk on the menopause? And they were like, oh, we're all menopausal now. Like, oh, jokey, jokey, jokey. So I was like, oh, no, this isn't landed. I'm not sure about this. You know, so I went into my, you know, chameleon. Oh, you know, yeah, OK. Anyway, 10 seconds later, two of them said that they, their marriages were on the brink of divorce because their wives were just struggling so much with this and that. And, you know, they didn't really know what to do. So they just leave the house, you know, for an hour and come back with flowers and chocolates and, you know, pray that they were in a better mood when they got back again. So, you know, both of them were saying if they hadn't have got that information from a really simple two page document to give them a snapshot, you know, their, their marriages would have been over. So for me, that was, you know, huge. So if I can replicate that across other topic areas, that's great. So there's definitely a piece about reach and actually being able to link in with every single one of those people. But equally, it's around getting senior leaders on board. And I had a conversation with a male senior leader in the business um, before Christmas. And uh, he was saying, I'm really not sure about this gender balance thing. Like why we've got a target as a business to have um, 40 percent on our management. So 40 percent split female leaders um on our on sort of top three levels of our of our management and that's our aim by 2025 and we're we're doing really well on that already but he was like I don't understand why this is like a thing surely if I'm interviewing people it's it's the best person for the job I might I'm not going to say all right you know get extra points because you're a woman you know I'm going to hire the best person but his team was all middle-aged white men every single one of them as, as part of his SLT so it's like you're from my point of view you're employing you you know you're you're employing yeah. what you're comfortable with and that's just uh you know another one of you and another one of you and, and again you'll all be having these lovely conversations where you all feel like really sort of part of the team but there's no one challenging there's no different viewpoint so I was doing some of the examples around um Apple had an issue didn't they with their facial recognition that wouldn't pick up um black people of people of color black people crash test dummies that are the, the wrong you know they're all men or they're shrunk down to actually be a woman but they're not they're mm-hmm the same size as a 12 year old girl so again it was sort of these examples that if he wants change in his area of the business he needs to have some challenge from people with different viewpoints so we had this very sort of safe space I said say what you want to say it's not going to go any further you know just tell me and he was very very open and very honest we had this really good conversation for an hour I got invited to his SLT meeting and then uh, he was like, oh I thought it'd be good to get Kat on here you know, we'll have a good chat with Kat, Kat you, know, you know, safe space, everyone. So he basically done what I'd done with him, with his team, as if it was his idea, which was which was great. You know, you you crack on. So, yeah, it was his idea. But his team, again, were very open. I'm going back on their call in another month's time again to sort of catch up on a few other bits and pieces they want to talk. But that's worked. It's almost like highlighting those people that need that extra support and need to be able to yeah. voice their And opinion. then you're not alone. Yeah. Exactly that message that someone else is actually doing it. Absolutely. I think that's one that we've often talked about quite early on as well, is that interviewing process of people tend to interview someone that they get on with down the pub or actually they see themselves in them and think, oh, yeah, they would be great. And I think that was quite a really early recognition for me within my company is actually, yeah, we should have more diverse interview panels. Um, We should look at our teams and actually, although everyone might get on really well, it doesn't add much diverse to sort of conversations or ideas or anything. Yeah, I think it's down to interview technique as well. As we, as you mentioned, interviewing, we always at ISS interview the competency-based interview. So it's think of a time where you've 
had to, you know, that's quite tricky for a neurotypical person to go, oh, like rightly speaking, the best example, you know, you're on the spot. But for a neurodiverse person, that's 10 times harder. There was an example of um, someone I've worked with for quite some time in the business. And he was going for, you know, the same position he was already doing, but in a different contract. So it was a bit of a sort of promotion for him. And he was brilliant. Like anything had happened on a site, he just knew exactly what to do. But he had this interview, um, competency-based, and he is dyslexic. And he absolutely fluffed it. They got to the end of the interview and they basically said, we can't hire him because the interview went so badly that, you know, if, if anyone went through the notes in terms of the scoring system and stuff, you know, there's no justification for giving him the job. So I had a bit of a chat because everyone knew him already. But I said, you need to interview him in a different way. Like you can't just think of a time. You need to be, you know, be really specific. Like the ceiling's caved in. There's water flooding everywhere. What are you going to do? Go. Mm. And he he could literally tell you, right, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. I do this. Exactly the right answer. But the, the problem was, and my son's exactly the same. My son uh, is autistic. And he's, he's got ADHD as well. If Even last night when we're trying to do homework, can you think of someone who is a is a, a hero that you want to write about in 200 words? I left him to it. Half an hour later, he hadn't picked anyone because there were so many ideas that he, it was. I describe it like having flies going around your head. He couldn't pick one of the yeah, flies to then, yeah, to then say, right, this is what I'm going to do. So he just wasted half an hour just staring into space because he couldn't work out which of the heroes that he should pick to do his homework on. So how how is he ever going to be able to complete a competency-based interview and, sh- and demonstrate his amazing skill set that he has? And same with this guy who did the interview. So, you know, he obviously, second time around, smashed the interview, got the role. And um, so, yeah, so we're very much reflecting on how we interview and making sure that it gets the best out of the candidate that's sat in front of you. I suppose that can be quite challenging, though, because everybody is different. And not, you know, not everybody can fit into that one kind of interviewing technique. So, yeah, that could be really interesting yeah, like, to, try, to try and get the perfect model that would suit everybody. Yeah, it's, it's the same with everything. You know, there's in terms of alterations, again, workspaces, people like quiet, low, low light, no noise, etc. There's never going to be like a, a, a perfect silver bullet that that suits everyone so it's a case of having all of those adjustments available so that you can almost sort of tailor it someone has their own passport basically so as I move through the business here's Kat Parsons and she works better here here and here don't do this don't give her a call before eight in the morning because this is pointless I'm, I'm still asleep yeah so that you know how to get the best out of me because surely that's what any business wants is to get the best out of their people selfishly for, for a business point of view but equally that person as well you know they need to be reaching their potential so again you know they move through their career as they as they choose so. and we've we've obviously just covered interviews but a common argument that I hear and um, for lack of women in senior positions is that they simply don't apply so quite often I will get the response well where are the women there aren't mm-hmm. any women and we know that's not true so what what can we do to actually just attract those women to apply for the positions? How can we make them feel like they have the skills to actually be great in that role? Because we know that they will be. It's how, But how do we get them in? Yeah, I think there's two things for me. One is sponsorship. So luckily, so the last two promotions I've had, someone has said, you need to consider Kat for this because she'd be perfect for this. So the one in terms of diversity inclusion and the one um, when I actually moved it was a promotion in another business beforehand into a leadership position. But someone was championing me. They they already knew that I could do it. So even though exactly the same, the, the job spec came out and I went, 
I could probably do seven, seven out of 10 things on that list. That's not enough. Like I can't apply for this. I'm, you know, it says this and I haven't, I haven't got that experience. So I think there's definitely a bit about highlighting who those high potential people are, letting them know their high potential, first of all, because it's, you know, you need yeah. to make sure that they've, they've been recognized and that they're, you know, someone's watching them. But equally, if roles come up, it almost needs to be that, you know, you need to go for this role because you'd be fantastic. You know, that sort of, that sort of piece. Equally, I'm doing a lot of work at the minute around our job descriptions to make sure that we're not using really masculine language. We're not saying, again, must have 15 years experience. Like you've just missed out two generations of the workforce there by that statement. You know, why do we need 15 years experience in some of these roles? That's just ridiculous. You know, if someone's got the skill set, it doesn't matter what generation they're from. You know, they're, they're the best person for the job. So it is very much around making sure that, again, it's using words like drive, you know, I'm, I'm the worst one for saying oh, I drive things forward again very masculine word pit stops very masculine those sorts of things so again it's making sure that we sort of tailor um, what we are putting out to get those people in equally though I found a lot is around spotlighting who is in the business so we are really lucky to have um, our senior leadership team our country leadership team sorry is is 50 50 split so there's a lot of work on you know who those women are in those positions how they got to where they got to but equally, I'm doing a big project on women in engineering at the minute to make sure that, again, we have women engineers in the business. Not many of them, but why is why is there not more? And equally, so it's spotlighting what they're doing, how they've got from apprentice all the way up to, you know, very senior positions, actually, some of them. But how do we, I don't want to be robbing female engineers from other businesses. That's just recycling the same person. You know, what we should be growing our own. We should be getting apprentices in at, at younger levels. So then it takes it to, right, we need to go, we need to do in that sort of social value piece. We need to be getting into schools. We need to be saying that, you know, FM, it was a career that anyone can fit into because it's so diverse in terms of, you know, you could do absolutely anything. You say engineering, managing a building, air conditioning, you could do the security, you could do, you know, it's, it's so vast. So, you know, it's, um, there's a, there's a space for anyone really. We're strong believers of that as well, aren't we, Karen? It is the, it's the school and the educational piece of getting people more interested into in within our industry and the, the vast roles as well I was always guilty I think when early doors when I, I joined uh women engineer society things like that and then I kind of backed away from it because I'm oh I'm not an engineer yeah I've been 23 years plus with the air conditioning manufacturer so the knowledge is there I'm just not qualified in an engineering practice but I think that's it, it it's kind of having that confidence to realize that you've got enough knowledge and enough to say to actually drive that forward and be that mentor for people as well. And I think you um, said it there about the sponsorship, but not just championing people kind of above and, and to your peers, but actually to them and saying, do you know how good you are in this yeah. area and that you are capable of doing this job so that they do put themselves forward? Yeah, because I found that when I, again, I, I was on a list at some point, um, and I didn't even know I was on a list. So when mm. I said, oh, I'm not very happy with what I'm doing at the minute, they're like, oh, you know, but you're on the list. Okay, <laughs> but I need to know. I need to know that you think I'm, that I'm high potential. I want to watch. So again, you know, for your own sanity in, in terms of where you sit in the workforce and how you're perceived, you know, that that you have been noticed by senior leaders in the business. So, you know, that is that is key. And I think that's, that's a lot of it is um, building that confidence in people and recognition as well. Like recognition is massive. Yes, okay, you can just have an email that says, you know, absolutely smash that, you know, brilliant. 
but you know we do things called a, a gem award which is going the extra mile you know there's about you know an amazon voucher for you know 20 50 quid or whatever but you know to the business that's not a lot but when someone then you know when you go and give one to someone to say look you absolutely went above and beyond there like brilliant that's just golden isn't it that's what everyone wants is a nice yeah to be recognized for it Absolutely. yeah yeah i actually even without a reward like that i've worked somewhere that used to just have a kudos board and i thought that was really nice as well because it was in the public domain and you just had the opportunity to say i really appreciate you doing that like you got me out of a hole whether it be you know the engineer that came to sort of you on saturday or just you were getting really stressed out with the photocopier and somebody's like hang on let me just yeah. sort it out so you know there are small things we can do just to show each other that we care absolutely um, and i think again yeah now that i'm in the position i am i i think it's been quite a shock to the system actually because again i've been in senior positions before but this is like the most senior position i've been in and all of a sudden like in terms of everyone knows who i am so if I now send an email saying that was absolutely brilliant, that webinar, absolutely fantastic. People just like fall apart. They're like, oh, my God, Kat said this. <laughs> so it's almost like this extra, you know, I, you know, you said before, you know, I, I, I do, you know, love the fact I have that skill. That I can speak to people from any, you know, any background, any, any industry. But the fact that now my words now mean more. You know, I make sure on a daily basis, if someone's, you know, someone sent me an email this morning, there was a recap of a, of a webinar that happened yesterday, like absolutely nailed it. Like it was so detailed on point. It went to everyone it needed to in a timely fashion. I was like, that's fantastic. Bash, bash, bash. Sent an email back, you know, and then they were like, oh, that's, oh, thanks, Kat. Like, it's really nice of you to take the time to reply. You know, it's, it's nothing for me just to send that email. But for that person, you know, that's, um, yeah, that's big. So, yeah, I, I quite like, yeah, this new sort of found influence I have over people as well yeah makes such a difference doesn't it it does but again I think it sort of comes back to that fact that people can talk to you as well because you've not been put that you're so far out of reach you know they respect you but you're also on their level in the same can have an open and honest conversation and again I think that is quite rare still yeah and I do try and cover as many so again the fact that menopause you know has always been seen as very taboo you know we're talking about male suicide now we're talking about prostate cancers I talk about menstrual cycles all the time again it's that sort of safe space and one of the um I was with one of the MDs yesterday and she was saying that someone came up to her she did a site visit same thing wandering around having a bit of a chat meet the people and uh, she said one woman came across me was like so this woman Nicola had been on a podcast with me talking about her symptoms of the menopause and you know lack of libido you know she was being very very open um in terms of her experiences and she said that this um this employee came across to him and was like oh Nicola I'm so related to what you said you know I also have had such a low libido I've had this about that and Nicola was like oh that's great you know that you now feel that you can come and talk to me as a managing director of the business yeah about about you know your struggles through the menopause so it does definitely the fact that now everyone has embraced it so much it is not a challenge for us now to pick another another topic that is really difficult to talk about and people will will you know will react exactly the same way so it's just working out, yeah, the best way to deliver those messages to, to get the, you know, again, it's like you said about pride washing. I don't want to just go, oh, well, we've done that now. Menopause, tick. What's the next one? Tick. You know, you need to make sure that it's embedded all the way through the business and we keep that momentum going on. I think that's really important. Like we were talking about this yesterday. We did um, lots of training within in the business for managers about menopause awareness and never want it to just be a tick box because everyone's talking about it. We need to do this. We've done it now as you change over kind of new employees come in and the culture changes a little bit it is it's keep doing it isn't it and keep addressing different subjects yeah 
Yeah, and the menopause is still very much a hot topic for us, isn't it? <laughs> we keep coming back to it. It seems to be a hot topic for a lot of people. I, I probably do talks and stuff at least once a week uh, with clients now. Again, the clients understand that we're obviously leading the way on it. We have over 450 cl uh, clients. So again, they're sort of like, oh, could you just come and have a half an hour chat with the team about this? So, you know, it's uh, it's nice now. We've got a full working group in the background so that it's not my same face every time. Um, so there's like a team now that go out and again, spread the word about what we're doing and how we can help their businesses. So we've been very open. We send, you know, we'll give them a copy of the toolbox talk we've done, the policy we've written, you know, why not share it? You know, it's working for us. So, you know, we can impact more people. And again, you know, our clients, the reach we have is in the millions. So if, you know, the little piece of paper that was stuck on the wall that the engineers were talking about, you know, affected them that much, then again, share it with all of our clients and anyone else who wants it. It's impact impacts wider. So I love that. So as you're so sort of driven and focused, I was wondering if you've got, an idea of where you might go say in the next five years have you got plans or are you just quite happy at this point to just roll with where you are because you really love it so much I think it's um that's a really really good question it's something that I've been mulling over and talking about at home actually is that I always had a career path I knew where I wanted to be like in, in sort of my previous role in terms of health and safety I knew I wanted to get to this and then I want to do this and then I'd worked out like those sort of little milestones that I needed to hit to be able to achieve what I wanted to this has been such a curveball in terms of complete change of career I was asked about taking on a global role at some point which I think I'd like to do I think I was slightly reluctant in terms of so I've got two young kids well one's not quite so young he's almost 13 and an eight-year-old and I get the uh the sort of oh you're always on the phone you know you're oh you've been in London again today so I, I there is that sort of mum guilt of you know, not being around to do every school run and, and that, that sort of thing. And, and my wife is brilliant. She's, you know, she picks up the slack when I can't, when I can't do it. But I think the the slight bit I need to get my head around is if I did take on a global role, which I think I would really enjoy, is being away even more and, and taking that time away from them. So, yeah. But I was talking to our global uh, head of diversity yesterday. I've got a bit of time with her in a couple of weeks time, just to have a bit of a refocus on some things. And um, I was saying, you know, in terms of I look after UK and Ireland, you know, 35,000 people. She looks after the globe, which is 450,000 people. <laughs> I was like, how do you mentally cope with that? Because I'm I'm like 100 miles an hour. My, you know, my wife will always say it. If we've got, a, again, I'll talk about the project we're doing at home. But, you know, I'm literally like 0 to 100 miles an hour. If we've got an idea, we're going to, that's it. We're doing the idea. We decided to be vegan. You know, the idea was floated around for a little bit a few years ago. And I literally overnight had watched everything, read everything. Right now, we're all vegan. You're there. I'm vegan. <laughs> Done it. Yeah, that's it. It's happened now. Whereas my wife is the one who's a bit more, let's just consider things, let's slow down, let's you know do this in sort of steps and stuff. So for me, when I get home at the end of the day, what have I achieved today? I, I want to be able to see something that I've achieved that's that's I've made a positive impact. How you do that on a global scale, because I have absolutely no idea. So I think that's the only thing that I still need to keep mulling over is whether I have the right personality I think to to go global <laughs> so that we'll, we'll see I, can, I think you um, do definitely yeah <laughs> I was gonna say but I, I can relate to that because I worked in an engineering role for how long have I been in industry 23 so about 21 years I was literally doing an engineering role and the last two years I've been just relationship management so I haven't done any real like hands-on proper design or anything like that 
and I have found it really difficult to adjust to that but I do actually really love what I do now and I, I don't have anything to show at the end of the day and when I do speak to my director I'm like I, I can't show you anything because I've just been on the phone all day yeah. but that is the role that I'm doing now and it is difficult to let go of what you know and what you love but if you try it, you might find something else that you're really passionate about. Yeah. And it's it's funny because if the day's gone really well, like this email that I got this morning with the downloaded the, the meeting yesterday, like I'm like, yes, like I've created that group of people. They all know what they're doing. They've got a vision and a purpose. You know, I'm light touch with them. They've off, they've done their own thing. I didn't even need to attend the webinar. They had it all in hand. And I've now got the, you know, I can see the benefit of it. It's that email's gone to, you know, 150 people. So they all are up to date. Like I'm like, yes, that's it. That's That's a really good day. But then last week I was like, oh, God, this is so hard. Like, how do you get everyone on the same? You know, it's just it's like herding cats sometimes. And again, I just get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, this is it's just quite frustrating. But so I, I literally go from this is the best job in the world to this is so difficult to back up again. <laughs> so it's, um, it's definitely a roller coaster. I think we all do that. You, you dread what's ahead of you sometimes, don't you? And then when you've actually mm-hmm. kind of halfway through or completed it, we were talking, we sometimes with recording the, the podcast and you're there, I've got to prepare, I've got to think about this, I've got to research this. And it never happens because you're really busy. And then you come on and you're like, I know nothing. But yeah, within a, a conversation and just talking, you're learning so much. Absolutely. Just, I suppose, because we we sort of open and share our experiences. I, we, we try not to hold anything back on the podcast because we want people to know what it is actually like to work as a female in a male dominated industry and we want people to know that they're not alone and that you can be very successful as well you know we have some amazing people in our network and as as we do what we're doing we're reaching more and more people and you know we've met you and it's it's amazing because we all share and and learn from each other but there's there's one or two topics that we we like to talk about because we like to kind of keep things light as well don't we Karen yes yes um, one of them is the WTF moment. So have you had a moment where you've just gone, I cannot believe that? Oh, that's a good question. I've had a few and they're probably from site days in terms of health and safety. I mean, I've I've had some awful, oh, one was really bad and this is menstrual cycle related as well because I do love to talk about periods. So again, young engineer on site, I was probably mid twenties and my period pains have always been like, not the best I get a bit of a rough ride sometimes but again you're out in the middle of a field or in the middle of a construction site wherever you know it's gonna happen you just have to you know, get on with it make sure you've got everything you need but I really 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 struggled one day I was on my knees pretty much could not even stand up straight I was in that much pain and I didn't want to tell the guys I was working with even though I knew them really well I mean, they were they were drilling with me anyway they could see that I wasn't quite right because I'm usually chilly chat chit chat all the time so they're like what's what's uh, what's going on and I was like I really like this is just horrendous it's period, period pains. It's period pains. I've got period pains. Bring it, yeah. Really, I've got period pains. <laughs> and they were like, right, like, do not worry. Get yourself like a cup of tea or whatever. Come back and we'll have you all sorted. So I went into the uh, the site cabin, managed to find some biscuits, which always help as well. Got myself a brew. I came back out again and bless them. They had made an uh, entire armchair uh, in the back of the van out <laughs> of um, sand, uh, cement, bentonite, etc. Like literally, you could sit in it with armrests and everything. And we're like, right, we've pulled the van round. You don't need to go anywhere at all. Literally sit there. We'll keep bringing you tea. Do you need anything else? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I did the whole of the rest of the site work, literally from an armchair made out of bags of sand <laughs> and bless them. They were so like, is everything all right? You know, check in again. Do you need to go back? Because they knew that they couldn't work. If I wasn't on site, they weren't allowed to carry on working because I was in charge. So so that was nice because I thought I was going to get a very, very different reaction in terms of, oh God, the, the woman's got women's issues. 
yeah, go absolutely. home didn't. So yeah, so that was really nice. That was a good one. Uh, I did lock myself in the back of the van once as well because there was no facilities on site uh, to use the toilet, and I managed to lock myself in the back of the van instead. So, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't the best. No facilities on site though. None <laughs> at all. It was one of those. It's okay. It's a quick job. If you just quick job, just pop in for a couple of hours. And then I was like, well, I need, you know, what else am I going to do? So I literally nipped in the back of the van and thought I'd had this really cunning idea. And then I locked myself in the back of the van. <laughs> so That's brilliant. I don't think I've done anything like that. <laughs> Karen, have you had any experience like Because I've shared a few now, but I wonder if you've got a few secrets that you're not telling us. Funny enough, actually talking this week, someone and uh, I hope my customer doesn't listen to this but one of my first ever visits into London and spoke to the customer on the phone who said this is where we'll meet blah 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 so it was kind of a, a bar in London quick meeting at lunchtime and at the end of the meeting he told me where to park and everything so end of the meeting walked me back to the car park and said right really nice to meet you and like shaking hands like yeah really great thanks very much and as he's walking away I'm like this isn't the car park I'm parked in so I was just like waving thanks thanks goodbye goodbye stood in the middle of London at the wrong car park and the conversation came about not finding your car in a car park when I had to say I lost a whole car park in London (laughs) yeah resulted in ringing my other half I've lost my car how would I find it what would I do to my best answer was a traffic warden in the middle of London who found it absolutely hilarious that I was looking for a NCP car park somewhere in West somewhere. London. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but yeah, it was literally the other night talking about something and it came up and you you don't realise that what a silly moment that at the, at the time. I think I was in tears walking around London, but it was my waving the customer off. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Oops, fine. It's funny, though, that you didn't feel you could go, this isn't the right car park. Like, I I don't actually know, because they probably no. would have helped. But again, you go, yeah, no, I don't want to yeah, appear to be. Me yeah, in London. Me I'm fine, because I would have got, oh, such a woman thing to do. Yeah, rolling the eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, no, I've got this, I've got this. But, yeah, so I now always double check. Well, it's so much easier these days, because you can drop a pin on your Google Maps, can't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I Absolutely. do a lot, and then I take a photograph as well. Just That's what I do them. as well. This is where yeah. I was. <laughs> it does seem crazy, but yeah, it does need to be done as well. Yeah, it's funny. I used to actually a long time ago, because obviously I'm really short as well. I used to put a bit of ribbon on my aerial so that I could have a chance of seeing where my car was, because I'd have to walk up and down every single bit. That's a great I'm idea. Like, Let's see. <laughs> Love that. So. Other sort of moments, has there been one or two sort of highlights that, you know, sort of like really amazing moments that you've just been so proud of or sort of things that have caught you, but, you know, you've just thought, yeah, this is really it. Yeah, probably, to be honest, most of them have been in my, in the sort of last year more than anything. I think some of the tougher ones have always been in the sort of the construction bit. I felt like I'd been quite almost like you were sort of scared to leave the industry because there was nothing outside the industry. So you're almost sort of being, you know, kept, I don't know, sort of kept in because, you know, don't look outside. So again, a lot of it, yeah, it's happened in the last year. And, you know, there's been a couple of awards that I've got, which again were sort of, you know, that was really good. But the the biggest ones for me <laughs> only happened in the last couple of weeks. I got recognised on the tube by an employee. So my face goes out on the bottom of emails uh, and I've obviously got quite a recognisable face with, with my short hair. 
and she sort of this woman approached me and was like are you Kat Parsons and I was like <laughs> yes I'm on, I'm on the DLR got no idea like she was like oh my god I work for ISS as well and I was like oh this is amazing so uh, I had a lovely chat with her and then uh, so I'm now gonna go and have a look around her site with her managers and stuff so that was really nice and then only literally last week um I was in the in our really lovely we have beautiful offices in South Quay I was wandering around and one of the um country leadership uh, team Aidan was was wandering around the office so I did my sort of oh hi Aidan you know how are you he was walking a guy around with him I was actually on my way this is mentioned I talk about menstrual cycles all the time I was actually on my way to go and check if the period products were all in all the toilets so in my mind I was like walking along I've got a cup of coffee and in my mind I was like tampons 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 oh hi Aidan anyway the guy that Aidan was with said he stopped me he was like are you Cat Parsons and I was like yes he's like oh my god I follow you on LinkedIn like absolutely like amazing I was so shocked. I shook his hand and was like, it was lovely to meet you. Like, enjoying your time at the office, everything else. I was so sideswiped. I didn't even ask who he was. I didn't ask his name. I didn't ask why he was in the building. I didn't ask anything at all. You've hit I the just, big time cat. I was that like you that. Just, yeah. <laughs> because I was sideswiped and I was thinking about tampons. So I had to uh, contact Aidan afterwards to apologise because if it was a client, then I would, you know, email and say, really sorry. But it turned out it was fine. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, uh, that was quite funny that. Again, it's that reach of social media. I'm on LinkedIn pretty much every day and got recognised in rugby services when I was on holiday as well. Like very weird. So, um, so yeah, which is which is lovely. So the fact that, again, it's that thing about um, about being able to talk about any topic at all, uh, that obviously resonates with people in, in the uh, social media world as well. So, yeah. And I'd, I'd definitely say to our listeners to give you a follow because I really enjoy your content. There's, you know, there's, I want to comment on almost everything. But <laughs> we just don't have the time. Um, you know, we, we're all trying to sort of put our messages out there, but I really like the stuff that you share. You know, it's, it's thought provoking. Sometimes it's raw, but it's very honest. Yeah. I think that's really important because you're putting topics out there, like you say, that perhaps other people are feeling really uncomfortable about. So yeah, definitely say all of our listeners to give Kat a follow on LinkedIn. It's it's worth it and you'll learn something for sure. So we, we wanted to ask about, you've got a little project going on at the moment, haven't you? So we wanted to I ask have. a little bit about sort of... We say little project. But, <laughs> right, you know, but it must have started from a small seed or yeah. idea at some point and it's just grown. Yes. That's... Yeah. So, um, so we bought a house 12 months ago and it was a wreck of a house so our last house we did everything in it my wife and I were really handy we liked to do all the projects and stuff ourselves and we literally had finished everything we were really bored we'd built a pod in the garden we'd re-landscape with you know blah 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 it was like really nice but we needed something else I was literally twitchy fingers so we we bought this house and it had it still hasn't got any heating it, it had no carpets no nothing like it's an absolute like why have we bought this um the kids were like oh we're moving into here so it's got a lovely patch of land on it um, as well. So it's end plot. So there's plenty of potential to do some work on it. So as we sort of, we're very eco sustainability focused as well. So we had this big conversation about doing it as sustainably as possible, doing all the mods and cons and everything else to make it the best. But um, Fee and I were in, we spend a lot of time in the car because her folks are up in the Lake District and we're down in Suffolk. So we have a nice sort of five hours where we just have a little download of lots of thoughts and bits and pieces quite regularly. And she said, you know what we should do? We should see if there's some any female trades that we could get involved to do it, you know, take over the majority of the project. Literally, I've already said not to 100 miles an hour. Me was like, let's do all of it. <laughs> let's do it 100 percent female design and build and, and do the whole the whole lot. So she she agreed. You know, we had a really good chat about it. And then, yeah, it's literally like having a second full time job. So we we've 
at this point we've got uh, architects working on sort of conceptual designs and bits and pieces but I'd reached out again through LinkedIn and social media we've managed to get um, Laura Jane Clark who's the architect from Your Home Made Perfect on Channel 4 she's the one with the VR headsets so I contacted her and said look we're going to do this project like it'd be brilliant to get it started off as we mean to go on so she basically halved her rate and fitted us in um, she has a waiting list of like six months and she fit us in within a couple of weeks so she did all the concept designs for our house. We took photos of absolutely everything. We had like a couple of hours on the phone with her. So she's done all of the design work. We've had surveyors install the building surveys. And again, it was a case each each stage, you can't just go, can we have a building survey? It's, you know, we've had to, first of all, we had to contact eight different companies to actually find female surveyors. One of the companies came back and said that he had surveyors that could identify as female for the day, if that would help. To which I said I'd get back to him if needed. But we found there was literally a company down the road that had female surveyors. But again, project management background. I wanted three quotes to make sure that, you know, it was all them, um, you know, we we're doing the best financially. So I managed to find another another company that had a female MD. They are all in on, they get apprentices in, they go into schools. She's linked into all sorts of female networks and stuff in construction. So I was like, right, okay, really, when you compare the two, the other one that's down the road has all male board white middle-aged men board so I pushed back to them to, to the white middle-aged men board and basically said look we're, you know your quote is more competitive than the other one but you know what are you doing in terms of getting women into leadership positions what are you doing to get you know encourage women to the industry what are you doing to support your own staff oh we're going to set up a women's forum and we do go to career fairs sometimes it was a bit I was a bit like this is a bit weak so we didn't go with them even though they were the cheaper quote and they were down the road we actually went with the other company and paid more to, to actually, again, because we were investing in their, you know, they, they aligned with us in terms of our goals and objectives. So, so that conversation led to us having a conversation with Royal Institute of Charter Surveyors. So in my role as diversity inclusion lead, I found the diversity inclusion lead there and said, look, this is the project. So they're now doing a whole case study around why we're doing the project, who we chose, who we turned down. So again, there's learning in terms of small to medium size firms you know you can do these three easy steps basically to make to get that your sort of diversity inclusion sorted so this is now every single step so now we're speaking to the women in architecture about you know again the process for choosing our architects we're now on the next stage we're speaking to um uh recruitment people agents we spoke to a stopcocks who um they hattie. help women that's it hattie and beaker i spoke to them um, so they get women out of domestic abuse situations and they train them up in a trade. So a portion of what you're paying for is training the next the next person to come out of that, that domestic abuse situation. So again, absolutely on point with what we want to be doing. So yeah, so it's literally like, what's next, what's next? So we've spoken to a college that's local to us. If they've got any female apprentices who can use our house as a test bed, so they can do you know first bit electricals, that kind of stuff. Um, so they've got a live project to work on and obviously we get a nice bit of cheap labour as well. So, yeah. And, it, and then Hattie was saying, you know, our project's going to happen over the summer holidays. That's when we're planning to sort of start is, is that sort of period. You know, she said, you know, you're going to have women who potentially have kids who will need childcare. So can you sort out childcare facilities, throw a couple of yurts up in the garden and, and do it as sort of like that? So now it sounds like we're having a festival over the summer. Yeah. Us, us <laughs> building, you know, it's, it's only like it's literally a two story wraparound extension, you know, sustainably focused, you know, 150K, whatever. So it's not massive. but again I was chatting to someone yesterday from City and Guilds you know and our our aspiration is always to move back up north fees from up in the Lake District originally and we want to build our own house up there so I said you know this will probably be the prototype 
so we'll do this now see how it goes learn from each step and then we'll go for a full house build in 10 years time so I'll come back then and tell you how it's gone <laughs> it's, it just I mean it, it just blows my mind I, do, I just don't know how you have the mental capacity to like to do that and to do your job and all the other bits that you're doing outside of that as well because it's just just to actually do that sort of project on its own yeah it's um <laughs> I do find I'm on my phone quite a lot yeah try to obviously make sure I'm connecting it with the right people and bits and pieces but again the fact it overlaps into my work life again the fact we're doing a big project on women in engineering a lot of the people I'm speaking to again I can use those conversations and those insights and their you know their input into what I'm doing in work as well so that's really good it's supporting both ways isn't it exactly yeah absolutely absolutely so um so no it's it's so good and the kids are so well involved as well when we actually did the first sort of phase one of getting it all fit for purpose the house so we could actually live in it you know they were helping knock walls down they were you know they were up in the loft helping me board the loft out so it's really good you know my daughter is she's again pretty much the same as me in terms of her ideas on bits and pieces she's so outspoken she tells everyone at school everything that I talk about all the time so I mean her, her friends are so well educated um, <laughs> um so it's really nice again to that she realizes that again she doesn't have to go down a oh you'd be a really good teacher you'd be really good in you know whatever she, she can literally be wherever she wants but equally we're very aware that we have a 13 year old son and we're all saying oh all women all women all women but if you you know when we talk to him about it he absolutely gets it he understands that there's this huge minority in the industry so why should, you know he's really proud of it and he's t- chatted to his mates about it you know he's you know he's well on board with we're told him we can get his machine ticket we want to do our tickets on machines and stuff we thought that'd be quite fun so uh yeah he, he completely gets it it's really nice excellent it's nice inspiring him for the future as well to do something in another industry where it is maybe men are a minority to yeah to it's almost push that angle it's about using it's it's all you know it, a big thing is about men using their voice to to put it against um yeah you know a, a topic so again the fact that rowan can talk very clearly about you know obviously you know we're a rainbow family he can talk all about that he can talk about the fact that we're doing this project and why we're doing it you know he he has such a wide knowledge already and sort of experience of the world based on what I talk about constantly at home you know it's uh you can really see he's really sort of he takes it on board he'll use the right language he educates his friends and stuff as well it's just really nice it's just nice to see. Kat we could probably sit and talk to you for hours um <laughs> but we'll certainly keep on top of the the project as well and, and your LinkedIn activity as well because it is Perfect. it's good fun it's interesting I, I learn as well from you with some of your posts so it is really good and think the more people that that do look at what you're doing and see how we can bring that into our own companies is fantastic so thank you so much it's been really good to talk to you thank you but this podcast will be available on the IOR website and the series at Podbean um, keep an eye out for any social media posts as well where you can listen again see what's next but also share with your colleagues we will share some of the links as well Kat to, to your page and, and some of the things you're doing Brilliant. and just yet yeah, ask anyone that is listening please come and find us at our LinkedIn group as well which is IOR Women in RACHP um, help to spread our network wide and if you're interested in getting more involved or are considering becoming a member of the IOR please do reach out to any of us But thank you again, Kat. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.